You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome in to the Hoist the Colors podcast. I'm Stephen Igo. And we are talking spring football today. I am your host of this podcast. Uh, we did not have a weekend wrap-up pod for the baseball series as it was only a two-game series. Had a lot going on this weekend. Actually, today is my birthday, so this is how much I love you guys recording my birthday. But uh, nah, I just wanted to uh, you know get away from the pod a little bit and take Sunday completely off or as much as possible off to kind of recharge as it's going to be a busy week ahead. ECU, of course, knee-deep into spring practice, five practices in. Uh, This podcast will primarily be about some early takeaways from spring football practice. I'll also hit on baseball a little bit as the Pirates go one and two. Uh, They split a two-game set with Elon, which we'll get into a little bit later. Also lost a midweek game against North Carolina. They've got a busy week coming up ahead as the Pirates will play five games in a span of five days starting Tuesday. UNC, a rematch with the Tar Heels inside Clark LeClaire Stadium. Then they will host Cincinnati for their first American Athletic Conference Series in a four-game set uh, Thursday through Saturday with a doubleheader scheduled for Friday. So lots to get to as far as baseball in the week ahead. Football-wise, a ton going on right now. ECU continuing practice. They will practice again Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday will be their first scrimmage as well as they wrap up week number three under Mike Houston. Also Tuesday, we've got Pro Day going on as Blake Pearl, Deontay Smith, Jake Verity, and more will be working out for NFL scouts in attendance in Greenville. And then, of course, the basketball uh, news cycle has not slowed down at all either. Ever since the season came to an end, there's been a ton of recruiting information. Uh, The boards are really hopping right now with uh, a ton of basketball talk with the transfer portal, some of the guys Joe Dooley's bringing in. Of course, seven commitments already in for ECU for the coming season. The Pirates going after some more top targets in the transfer portal. We've had guys that have exited via the transfer portal, which we might get into on the show as well. So we've got a lot to do over the next little bit as we record here on Monday, March 29th, late in the morning. But wanted to first focus on football. Because East Carolina, of course, football is the big story at all times of the year. And really, you know, I know a lot of people have not had the opportunity to go out to spring practice. Um, I know they did have some donors out recently. Of course, if you're affiliated with the program or with the media, you've maybe had a glimpse of spring practice. But after not having any practice access last year and seeing the growth from really 2019 to now, just in terms of the culture, the players, uh, their size, their demeanor, the way the team carries itself. It it is such a night and day experience. I mean, I remember going out there not only in the spring of 2019, but in the fall of 2019, and just thinking to myself, man, Mike Houston, this coaching staff, they really have their work cut out for them, turning this thing around. It just just did not look like an American Athletic Conference level team you know I've been attending practices really since 2012 
when Ruff McNeil had it rolling pretty good, and you could just kind of you could kind of tell there was a different vibe around the practice field. The players looked like they belonged. And in that transition from Scotty Montgomery to Mike Houston, there was just so much kind of an there was an uncertain feel really around the program. And there was a you know the vibe was not great going into that first year of Mike Houston because you had a lot of Scotty Montgomery guys left over. He was trying to change the culture, coach in different ways that these guys had never experienced. And then you just had a a talent shortfall, a size shortfall, and it just feels like now going into year three. Of the Mike Houston era, I wrote an article about this this morning, published on hoistthecollars.net. It just feels like it's all moving in the right direction. And yeah, I know spring, uh, hope is always eternal in spring football. I mean, we're, nobody's ever going to come out and say, oh, we're going to suck this year based on how we look in spring football. But I can tell you guys, I mean, the, the growth of the program is 100% heading in the right direction. I mean, guys are in much better shape after a full winter with uh, Big John Williams, the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, guys are bought in. It's physical. They they have these Oklahoma drills in practice where they it's either one on one or three on three, kind of to start practice or to end practice in a physical manner. Uh, offense versus defense on several occasions. Sometimes you know receiver versus receiver and one on one, DB versus DB and one on one. And it's just every single live competition is a war, and it's truly a competition. Uh, and the way these guys celebrate, the way they get into it, uh, it it's, it's so much fun to watch. So you're finally seeing a team, you're finally seeing that team come together like really it should be. And you're, you're finally starting to see some guys who belong in the AAC in terms of being potential difference makers as they develop in their ECU career. So we'll get into some of the individual standouts thus far through spring practice. It's going to go quickly position by position and kind of just name a few guys that are standing out to me uh, early in spring ball. Of course, no guests today on the podcast. Just wanted to record a quick session this morning, kind of give you guys an update on what I'm seeing. You know, only a only five practices in the spring ball, and of course, they will continue to hold uh, practice over the next few weeks leading up to the spring game on April 17th, which by the way, it will be open to fans. Don't know the exact protocols for that game, but uh, there will be fans allowed in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium on Saturday, April 17th. So I uh, definitely recommend you get out there to watch that game. All right, let's go through some of these positions and give you some guys who are standing out thus far in spring camp for ECU. The quarterbacks, of course, Holt Naylor's is going to get a lot of headlines. Mike Houston did say the Pirates starting quarterback has slimmed down, and he has indeed uh, dropped some weight. You know, he told us, at, I think at the end of last year, he was up around 238. He is now down to the 226 range, so that's a loss of 12 pounds. You know, said he focused on eating better, that sort of stuff. So I think he's definitely moving around better this this spring than maybe we saw at the end of last fall, which is good to see from your starting quarterback. You know, as far as the rest, we haven't seen a lot of team periods, so honestly it's tough to tell much when we're just seeing guys throw against air. But you know, from what I've heard, obviously Mason Garcia has been getting a lot of the number two reps, uh, but also Alex Flynn. I mean, this guy continues to fly under the radar in his third year in the program now. Just really nothing about Alex maybe blows you away in terms of, you know, his size and physicality, but he just shows up every day. He puts the work in. He really throws a nice ball. He's accurate. He knows the offense. I mean, to me, He's the ideal guy you want in your program at the quarterback position, especially as kind of an insurance piece. I really think Alex Flynn has continued to progress and continues to get better. You know, if you need somebody to go in and operate the the offense in a tight game, you know you can count on Alex Flynn, even though we haven't seen him do it. 
you know, I've heard he does it pretty well in practice. And, yeah, Mason Garcia, Ryan Stubblefield, those guys have the arms. Uh, Walter Simmons, the true freshman, has all the athleticism in the world. But, you know, Alex Flynn, just a steady guy in the quarterback room that really shouldn't be discounted. And I really think the number two quarterback battle comes down to Alex versus Garcia. You know, who eventually gets that job? Of course, Garcia had it last year, started the Navy game. But he's got to get to the point where he can operate more efficiently. Just was not comfortable last year in that game. And you don't want that situation again if Ehlers is unable to go. Now, we did get to see a couple live periods for Garcia on Saturday uh, in a red zone situation with the number two offense. Uh, I thought he looked more comfortable than we saw last year. You know, did a good job of eluding the rush, but still needs to continue to work on his footwork, kind of visibility in the pocket. But it's clear he's making progress. We all know he's got the size. We all know he has the arm strength and the ability it's just a matter of kind of putting it all together. And he's always been a guy that's going to need time. But the more live reps he can get in those situations this spring and this fall, I think the more ready he will be. You know, my gauge on it is I feel like the coaching staff wants Garcia to eventually be the guy. So they're trying to give him as many opportunities to prove that he can be that. And I think you're going to see that a lot this spring. But uh, all the quarterbacks have shown flashes. You know, we mentioned Alex Flynn. I think Stubblefield has a cannon for an arm and is continuing to progress. And then I've seen – I like what I've seen out of, out of Walter Simmons. You know, just seeing him throw live. You know, he was a guy we only saw on film last year. I think the ball comes out of his hands nicely. He doesn't have the cleanest release in the world, but it looks like they've topped it or tightened it up a little bit as he's coming to the program, and I think he's starting to make some uh, progression there at the quarterback position. So moving on to the running backs, you know, really the guys who you expect to stand out have stood out. Rajay Harris just returned to practice after going through COVID protocols. He's obviously looked good. Keaton Mitchell as well has had a really nice start to spring. Uh, but the guy that's kind of caught my eye a little bit, you've got a couple walk-ons there. They've moved Macy O'Donnell, a former walk-on inside receiver, to the running back position. He's done some nice things as a pass catcher, so I really like what I've seen out of Maceo. Don't know if he will stick there long-term as they add more backs to the room, but uh, I think he's kind of been a pleasant surprise early in spring camp. But it's kind of a light spring for the running backs, just not a ton going on there right now just because of the lack of numbers. But some of those walk-on guys, DJ Austin, Aza Barnes, and uh, Maceo Donald have all stepped up and are making the most of their opportunities. At wide receiver, you know, from what I've been able to see at practice, you know, impressed by second-year freshman Taji Hudson. He's still raw in many aspects, but has continued to progress. Big physical kid, can go up and catch the football. Uh, Audio Matosho, third-year UCLA transfer, uh, has looked really good in spring. Uh, C.J. Johnson has yet to get on the field in terms of full contact, he's been at practice in pads, in uniform, but it's kind of just, you know, told me the other day he was nursing a hamstring injury, so they're being careful with that. Uh, Mike Houston did say he will probably be at practice this week, and this is big for CJ. It's his first spring practice of his college career as a junior, so the Pirates need to get him out there and get him ramped up at some point. So hopefully that happens in the next few weeks. But Omatosho has looked good with CJ Johnson out. Uh, you've also had a number of other guys, you know, Josiah Hatfield once again has shown flashes in the slot, doing some different things, Cam Burnett, uh, Andre Pagese, those type of guys, Jonathan Johnson's made some plays. So uh, the receiver position, I think, has looked pretty good overall. Uh, the one thing that I notice when I'm out there, man, Tyler Sneed, every single practice, every single rep, this guy, he just brings it. And 
it's easy to see why Tyler Snead is so good because there's no, he doesn't get out there and do much talking. He just goes out there and he works. Even if it's just a positional drill that he's done a hundred times before, he does it with intention and he does it uh, with determination. He crushes every rep. He crushes every little detail of practice. And that's what makes Tyler Snead great. That's why you go from being a preferred walk-on to an all-conference player. Everybody in college has talent, but if you're not willing to work and try to be a perfectionist, which not everybody has in their DNA, you know, at some point you hit your ceiling. But Tyler Sneed, there's a reason he's so good, despite being 5'6 and maybe a buck 70. Uh, he is just an absolute warrior and a demon on the practice field, and it carries over to the game field. So it's just a pleasure to go out there and watch that guy practice, man. He, he is a... He is a really almost an art form in terms of practicing the right way and kind of what you want to model yourself after if you're a young player. So just had to throw that out there, get Tyler Snead some love because he almost gets overlooked in spring ball just because of how good he is uh, on game day. Uh, the tight end position has been an interesting one. It's, you know, it's, it's one where obviously you've got a couple new faces, especially in Ryan Jones, the Oklahoma transfer. He's looked really dynamic in the one-on-one routes we've been able to see. Uh, as media, uh, and I think that the biggest thing with him is finding his exact role in the offense. You know, what is he best at? Is he best at lining up in the slot? Is he best at lining up on the edge of the offense, uh, in line as a blocker, and then beating a linebacker off the line of scrimmage on a route? Uh, it's just they're kind of doing some different things with him. He was obviously suspended the start spring, but is now back and is being worked in. He's got some first-team reps, and I think he's looked good. And we'll see how he continues to progress. But he he brings a different type of athlete to that position that the Pirates simply don't have. Uh, Shane Calhoun, the second-year freshman, started all nine games last year as a true freshman. Man, I think he's looked really good. Uh, He's added probably about 10 to 15 pounds just from looking at him from the naked eye. Uh, Significantly bigger in the upper body, which he needed to add some physicality because he's got the – He's got the speed, quickness, and route running in hands to be effective. He needed to become a more uh, dominant or more capable blocker. I think he's done that with some added weight. So I think Shane Calhoun and Ryan Jones are kind of your two top tight ends right now. Uh, Zach Bird's been getting some work. And the guy that's really been a pleasant surprise, Brian Gag, uh, the quarterback turned tight end, has added close to 35, 40 pounds. He's up to 250 now and has really been a nice addition to the tight end room. Is he going to be an all-conference guy? Probably not. But Brian Gag is putting in the work. It's clear that he is practicing with intention and doing everything he can do to get better and try to find a spot on the roster. Because, you know, you give you give a kid like Brian Gag credit. Uh, due to a numbers game, he was probably not ever going to play here at quarterback. But he made the move to tight end, and he's bought into it. He's hit the weight room hard. He's hit the playbook hard. Uh, he's, he practices with an edge. He's not afraid of contact, even though he's a former quarterback, now tied in. And uh, you hope there's some way he can make the team and, and continue to carve out a niche uh, just with the work he's putting in. So very pleasantly surprised by what we've seen out of number four, Brian Gag, this spring. Offensive line-wise, you know, it's been kind of tough to tell exactly how that unit looks because of the lack of team period access. But, you know, I thought the first unit looked pretty good. The other day, watching them uh, during live work in a red zone period. Of course, it's a little bit of a mess right now. ECU is missing its top two centers. Fernando Fry, the graduate student, uh, is out right now and probably out for the rest of the spring. 
and Trent Holler, your backup center, is not allowed to do contact right now. He might be back later in the spring. So they had to slide starting guard Avery Jones over to center. And to start spring, the snaps were, were really off, especially once they went to full contact. They were better the other day. It's good experience for Avery to work at center just in case he, he needs that in emergency situation down the line. You know, more than likely he's going to be playing guard this fall. Um, so the first unit is kind of out of whack right now. You've got Bailey Malovic working at tackle, and you also have Walt Stribling, the second-year freshman, working at tackle because you're missing a couple of guys right now on the line of scrimmage. Uh, and you had to slide Justin Chase, who was also working at tackle last year inside the guard. And then you've got a couple other guys who are out. Fernando Fry out right now, Noah Henderson, Nashad Strother, who's a starting tackle, and also Peyton Winstead still out. So uh, you've got basically an entire offensive line, sideline right now due to injuries, so you're moving around some pieces up there. But I think the the weight that Bailey Malovic and Walt Stribling have been able to put on has been significant in the span of one summer, or in the span of one winter, excuse me, and now they can add on to that in the summer, hopefully. And you're talking about getting those guys up probably to the 285, 290-plus range where they really need to be. Last year, Malovic played at sub 270, I believe, which is just extremely light for an offensive lineman. Same thing with Walt Stribling. They've got to get those guys weight ups, and they have. So credit to the strength staff for that. But I think the offensive line is definitely uh, taking a step in the right direction. And once they get Strother back, once they get Fry back, once they get potentially, you know, an Henderson back and add a transfer or two, then suddenly you've got a ton more depth there on the offensive front, and it's starting to look the way that it should look. Of course, Sean Bailey, did, I forgot to mention him, he is a six-year senior who's also in there right now working with the first team at guard. Switching to the defensive side of the ball, I think the the biggest thing that stands out about the defense, and we'll go position by position in a minute, is just the, the sheer depth. I, I feel like every position on defense is a legitimate two to three deep, and you know, it hasn't happened overnight, but Mike Houston has stacked some very good recruiting classes and some transfers and some development of different players over the course of his time in Greenville to where you're finally basically three deep at every position. Defensive line, uh, defensive end, outside linebacker, inside linebacker, Sam linebacker, both safety spots, both corner spots. It finally feels like yeah, you, there's a drop-off from the first team to the second team, but you have three legitimate options, and, and in many cases more, at every position defensively. And I honestly can't remember the last time I've rolled out to practice and seen you know, so many guys that I recognize and that have really the potential to play big minutes here and, and big snaps here at ECU you know, practicing on the second and third team and could easily be starting caliber players. You know, you look at the defensive backfield – and you bring in DJ Ford as a transfer. Uh, you, you return Warren Saba as a senior. You bring back Jaira Wilson as a starter. Well, there's three starting safety caliber players right there. But then you also have Sean Dorso, Jawan Powell. Uh, these guys started games last year and played huge snaps for ECU and could easily be starters for the Pirates this year. And, uh, you know, Tegan Wilk played some big snaps last year. You know, he's working with the second and third team now. David Laney is another freshman who's got a bright future who's now a second or third teamer. So there's just so much depth now. 
and really how it should be if you're a stable football program. So that's been good to see. The defensive line, I mean, so many young guys in the trenches right now that last year did not look, well, to be honest, they look like high school kids. They look like guys who had not been in a strength program and, and were hurt by COVID. This year they look like they've been in a strength program. You know, JVM McCray, Jason Shuford, Deontay Johnson, who's been out to start spring, but, you know, more than looks the part in terms of size. Uh, Rick DeBrew, Elijah Morris looks leaner as a second-year starter at defensive tackle. I mean, all these guys have made strides with their body and their strength, and I think it's just going to pay off the more we go on. I mean, an outside linebacker, Jason Romero looks noticeably bigger. Uh, Jeremy Lewis has switched from tight end to defensive end and has added some real length to the position. Kareem Stinson, defensive end, looks noticeably bigger. So all these guys have made strides in the weight room and are now in a much better position to compete, play in and play out in the American Athletic Conference. And yeah, they still have room to room to grow. You know, Jason Romero is not done filling out. Uh, still has some more weight to put on it to be an effective edge rusher for ECU, but definitely well on his way. And just the the sheer size of the defensive line and the the, the edge rushers is finally starting to look like it should look. Uh, D'Angelo McKinney, another guy, a defensive tackle, an older guy at this point who's in his fourth year, who has played a, a decent amount of football now. He looks leaner to me, looks more explosive. So I think you're finally getting to the point in the trenches where you want to be where Mike Houston kind of envisioned this thing when he first took it over and is finally getting to that level. Uh, inside linebacker, very similar in terms of depth, just really deep right now for Blake Harrell, who's the defensive coordinator and also the inside linebackers coach. A ton of players to work with. Of course, you've got Xavier Smith and Bruce Bivens kind of as your leaders there. They've played a lot of football, but don't forget about Miles Berry, Aaron Ramsour. Um, even Delvonte Harris has been, a, been around a good while now. You've just got so many guys in that linebacker room. And that's not even to mention some talented freshmen like Taylor Jackson, Eric Doctor, and then they brought in a JUCO transfer in Jacoby Simpson, who looks the part. So you've got a legit six, seven guys in that inside linebacker room that can make an impact. And I think that's probably one of the more stronger positions on the defense. And, and who ends up starting there will be interesting to see. Uh, at In the secondary, you've got the Sam linebacker position, which is basically an extension of safety. Of course, Jaira Wilson is returning as your starter there, but Gerard Stringer, who was the starter in 2019, uh, tore his Achilles last summer. He's now back and working with the second team and has looked good in certain periods. You also have Demetrius Mooney, running back turned linebacker, who's working at Sam as well, uh, and they're trying to find a spot for Demetrius, who, who is a really good athlete, can bring the lumber now that they're in pads, is beginning to show up a little bit more, so... Ton of depth there. You know, a guy like Tegan Wilt can slide down and play Sam. Cruz Temple, a true freshman, can play Sam. So you just have a lot of options there in the secondary. And then, of course, at safety, DJ Ford has been one of the early standouts in North Carolina transfer. 6'3", 215, can run, can hit. If you look in the secondary and you have Jaira Wilson playing Sam and DJ Ford playing safety, that is some serious length on the back end. You've got two 6'3 guys with good, good range, good length it's going to be tough to throw the ball over them in certain situations so um really starting to look the part on the back end cornerback we've seen a lot of familiar faces uh jaquan mcmillan malik philemon nolan johnson are kind of the big three there the proven three but you have a crop of younger guys who have also begun to make some strides sean tucker has made some plays this spring 
Jaden Chalmers, the true freshman, I think has shown a lot of ability. He's got to get stronger, but I think has some upside. C.J. Crump is another second-year freshman that has some real speed and length to him. Uh, and then, of course, you've got a, a fourth-year guy in Jamel Hickman, who is a solid special teams guy and uh, has played pretty solid in coverage at times as well. So finally, defensively is looking really how you want it to look. And second year in this defensive system, things are coming much simpler. Uh, still a lot to learn for several of these younger guys as they continue to get more uh, game reps and, and continue to learn how to play with consistency and with technique and all that sort of stuff. But this spring is so big for this defense, and this defensive staff did not get any of this time last year, and I think we'll see it pay dividends come the fall. So there's just kind of an overall look at the offensive defense. Have not seen a ton of special teams work. Uh, Owen Daffer and Patrick Nations are kind of your two main kickers right now, but we should see more of them in the scrimmages ahead. Uh, and then, of course, there will be more kickers to add to the competition later this offseason. So there, there's kind of a, a brief look at some standouts from spring practice thus far. Again, only five practices in, about a third of the way through spring ball. We'll continue to have updates and a ton of articles on hoistacolors.net as to what's to come in the weeks ahead in terms of spring practice coverage, what players are standing out, and more. All right, that'll do it for our look at spring football practice. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we will touch on baseball briefly and then get into some basketball and then wrap up the show. You're listening to the Hoist of Colors podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we're back on the Hoist the Colors podcast. Wanted to touch on baseball briefly. The Pirates had their first losing week of 2021, and the the sun did come up on Sunday, and it has come up again on Monday. So the world did not end after ECU's 2-1 to loss at Elon on Saturday. And, yes, it was a disappointing loss. You know, I tweeted out it was a bad loss for ECU, and, and the Honest truth is it was. This was a game ECU did not need to lose. Uh, they were number four in the RPI going into the game. I think dropped all the way to a 10 or 11. Haven't checked since then, honestly, uh, as a result of one loss on the road. So uh, not a good loss. ECU, we know the ramifications of RPI. Still a long way to go. I mean, we have not even reached the halfway point of the season. And ECU is still 17-5. and and if you would have said in the preseason that ECU would start 17-5, which is probably the best start in Cliff Goblin's era or time at ECU, I think everybody would have taken it. So uh, has it been the toughest schedule? No. There haven't been many easy games either, though, and I think ECU has played far from its best baseball. And to win 17 of 22 games, well, 
you take it and you run with it. So certainly there are some flaws right now with the team, uh, most notably you know, some of the, the, the batters right now are just sim- simply striking out too much. I mean, the Pirates on Saturday struck out 14 times against two walks, and that's something Cliff Goblin has harped on all year. You know, when ECU is, is hitting the ball well and they have a good approach, they're putting the ball in play more, they're walking more than they strike out, which is, is not easy to do. You're not going to go out there and and draw more walks than strikeouts every game, especially with the way baseball is going in general. I mean, if you watch the major leagues, you know, basically your three outcomes right now are strikeout, walk, or home run. I mean, that's kind of what major league baseball has become, and that's trickled down a bit to the college game, but still Cliff does not want his team striking out double-digit times versus only one or two walks, and that bit ECU on Saturday. They had multiple opportunities where they had runners on second and third less than two outs and were unable to execute it. And that will drive a coach crazy. So got to get better in situational hitting. Got to cut down on the strikeouts. Um, You know, Bryson Worrell went 0 for 3 with 3Ks and was pinch hit for in the ninth. Just wasn't his day. And and it's been a tough start to the season for Bryson. You know, we all know as much talent as he has, he's he's always been a swing and miss guy. He's going to have some Ks. So, uh, that's part of his game, and um, right now, unfortunately, just in a little bit of a spell. And I still think it's to the point where you know I've seen, a, I've read a lot of people have said, "Hey, the Pirates should move on, play somebody else in center. He's too much of a liability." But you know, in my opinion, you have to keep running Bryson out there because at some point he probably is going to hit, and it's going to come in bunches. I know it's been a long time now, and he might not get back to the level he hit last season. But who else? offers you more upside in center right now. And I think you have to continue to roll with Bryson, try to get him to believe in himself and uh, have a better mindset. And I think once he does hit a little hot spell, then this team really has a potential to take off. Of course, you know, if he continues to struggle and then you get Lane Hoover back in a in a couple of weeks or, you know, three or four weeks, then maybe you can uh, look at making a change there. But I think Bryson is your best option right now. Not only does he provide upside – if he can figure it out the plate, but he provides stellar defense and center, which is very important and goes overlooked in a lot of cases. So uh, obviously there are other guys in the lineup that are struggling a bit right now. Um, I don't think this team, as deep it is, as deep as it is on the mound, is as deep as it could be uh, positionally. You know they've they've got a ton of young guys in the program that are still learning the ropes who will probably be ready more so a year or two from now. And uh, you got to have some of these upperclassmen or or second year guys in the program step up and just hit the ball more consistently. So maybe as they get into conference play, as the weather warms up, we'll we'll continue to see better at bats because I think the pitching is there. Yeah, there have been some ugly pitching results in the midweek, but if you get ECU in a weekend series and you got to go up against Gavin Williams, Carson Wisenhunt, Jake Kuchmaner, and their top bullpen arms, good luck. I mean, that is a that is a pitching staff capable of taking you to Omaha in the College World Series if everybody stays healthy. So I think the offense right now, we've seen great performances. We saw it on Friday. ECU banged out a ton of hits and a 15 to nothing win at Elon, and then the next day you lose two to one. And baseball does not carry over. A lot of it comes down to, to what pitcher you're facing, but I think it's more about ECU at this point, more so than the opponent. The approach at times has just not seemed to to be there every game. 
like maybe we've seen more consistently in the past, and a lot of these guys are still playing through their first ever full college baseball season. Like look at a Connor Norby, a Zach Agnos, uh, even Bryson Worrell was not a full-time starter uh, in his freshman season, and certainly he was last year, but he had never played through a full season. So a lot of these guys are being introduced to the daily grind, the four-game weeks, about to be a five-game week with what's ahead this week. But uh, there, there's an adjustment period going on. And again, ECU has not played his best baseball. I think eventually they will. Maybe that will come more towards the end of the season, and then at that point it will be optimal to be playing your best baseball. But to be 17-5 and five and to be kind of sputtering in the minds of some right now, uh, I think that says a lot about where the program is and where the expectations are. So the week ahead for ECU is a challenging one. North Carolina, the rematch with the Tar Heels on Tuesday at 6.30. Again, if you have tickets to this one, strongly encourage you to go as it should be a great atmosphere for those who can make it. And then you host Cincinnati in a four-game set starting Thursday with Easter weekend. They are moving the series up a day. And we'll go Thursday at 4, Friday doubleheader starting at 1, Saturday scheduled for 1 o'clock as well. So the first and only five-game week of the season for ECU. And interesting note about the UNC game, the Tar Heels had their series versus NC State postponed from Sunday and Saturday to Monday. So they are finishing up game two on Monday and then have to play game three on Monday as well. So that's basically, you know, a game and a little bit over on Monday, and then they have to turn around and play ECU again Tuesday with another ACC series to follow. So the Tar Heels could come in uh, with some some arms used up, which could play to ECU's advantage, but simply put, the Pirates just have to play better themselves or it won't matter. But a big week ahead, five home games, a chance to get off to a good start in conference play, and we know uh, how important it is for ECU to to play well in conference to potentially host a regional and maybe put itself in a position for a national seed, which we will talk about more down the line once the RPI stabilizes a bit. So there's a quick look at baseball. Let's turn our attention to basketball real quick before we get out of here on this Monday. Uh, of course, the Pirates made a, a few headlines this past week with three guys entering the transfer portal. None of the three really a surprise. Two seniors in Edra Luster and Batumba Baruti entered the transfer portal for East Carolina. You also had freshman guard Noah Farrakhan enter the transfer portal as well. Of course, with the the size of the roster and the amount of guys coming in with seven commitments already and the Pirates continuing to recruit to add more, there was there was going to be guys that hit the portal eventually. Uh, Farrakhan was one that I was hearing could go either way, 50-50. Eventually, you know, the decision was made, I think, on both parties for Farrakhan to enter the transfer portal, look for a fresh start. Here's the deal with Farrakhan, guys. This guy has all the talent in the world, all the ability, tremendous athlete. It's just simply work ethic. If you can't bring it in practice every day, you're not going to play under Joe Dooley. And he had a serious problem in terms of practice habits, in terms of turning it on, turning it off. The game came so easy to Noah Farrakhan that at times he just wouldn't really try. And there were several instances where he met with the coaching staff. Uh, It was laid out to him, here's what you need to do to play. And for whatever reason, it just never seemed to click with Noah Farrakhan at ECU. And, hey, he could go on to transfer find the right fit, and have a a great career. But it was pretty clear it wasn't going to happen at ECU with his current attitude and um, 
you know, I wish him the best. I never had many interactions with Noah, but I, I know he's got extreme talent. Uh, but Joe Dooley needs guys that are bought into his program. Noah Farrakhan, for whatever reason, did not seem bought in. And that's why his playing time decreased throughout the year. Uh, Edra Luster, great kid. Uh, just probably not an American Athletic Conference player. You know, did everything that was asked of him. Asked of him, came in here, worked hard, got his degree, practiced his tail off. Uh, the Pirates just needed to upgrade there. So you, you wish Edra the best. He played his two years here after Juco and will attempt to play elsewhere. Uh, Patumba Baruti, Baruti, probably a guy who could have found a role on next year's team, but I think was probably just looking for a fresh start. And then for ECU, I think you've recruited several six 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 seven power forward type of guys that are coming in and have a chance to play and make an impact. So with Baruti's role, I think the Pirates are bringing in some guys that are similar to him and probably, you know, have a chance to take his minutes. So it just makes sense for both parties to move on there as well. I still think you will see more guys enter the transfer portal in the coming days and weeks. We know, of course, ECU is continuing to peruse the transfer portal. The big name is Josh Carlton, former South Central product, played at UConn for four years. ECU is heavily involved there. We've got a VIP report about the top schools for Carlton, which ECU is one of them, and I would expect the decision fairly soon in the coming days, maybe in the next week or so, but a uh, proven big guy who would be a, a monster addition for the Pirates, especially from a proven standpoint in the paint. So we'll keep you updated on Carlton um, for sure. There's also a couple of other guards ECU is in on in the transfer portal. Of course, they've already picked up a big one in Winston Tabs, a former uh, 13 points per game score at Boston College through his first few years there with the Eagles program. So if you can add him and maybe a few more proven players to Jaden Gardner, Tristan Newton, Brandon Suggs, etc., all of a sudden you can look at a pretty good team next year. But there are still so many moving parts. You know, I get so many questions about who you're looking at in the portal. What is ECU going to do? Who's going to leave? I mean, there are so many moving parts. It's just really tough to forecast right now because everything that happens is a domino. Not only for ECU, but if a guy commits to one program, that creates a domino effect for several programs, including ECU. So we'll continue to keep you up to date. Again, if you're not a VIP member on Hoist the Colors, I strongly encourage you to sign up now. You can get your first month for a dollar on HTC and get all the inside scoop on the transfer portal on spring practice, which we're covering on a daily basis when we're out there three times a week. Uh, of course, baseball coverage, we got that for you as well. So Things are heating up. It might be the offseason right now for ECU basketball and ECU football, but we've got as much coverage now as we do in season. So definitely take advantage of our of our VIP offer on Hoist the Colors. All right, that's going to do it, guys, for our Monday podcast. Just wanted to give you guys an update after the weekend and with so much going on. Uh, we'll be back sometime this weekend. With it being Easter weekend, not exactly sure of the day, but Jonathan and I will record a post-Cincinnati series recap where we'll talk about the Pirates' first AAC weekend set of the 2021 season. Until next time, I'm Stephen Igo. We're out.
Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.